This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Every Saturday from 3 to 6 normally, although football season is upon us, so I will be preempted quite a bit, but that's okay. I've got lots of podcasts on my website. I'll give more content there, MonicaPerezShow.com. And I'm always available for conversation from Facebook or Twitter at Monica Perez Show. And I am open to conversation now. I'm going to do Ask the Libertarian. You can think of it as Stump the Libertarian at 530. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK are the numbers. And I'm going to take calls and uh, answer questions of what you want to know a libertarian uh philosophy is or is there stuff that libertarians haven't thought of or i haven't thought of i want to first give away today's mcdonald's weekend prize pack it is a pair of tickets to see kelly clarkson in concert september 10th at aaron's amphitheater at lakewood a four pack of tickets to the georgia rv and camper show september 11th to 13th at the north atlanta trade center and a pair of tickets to see comedian Seth MacFarlane with the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra on September 18th at Symphony Hall. First person to call 404-741-0750 will get that. So please do it. Um, and I want one of the Ask the Libertarian questions I got was a special request about what was going on in the markets. And that last week there was a lot of financial turmoil. The markets uh, have been kind of topping out for a while, and then there was a bit of crashing and then some rebounds. And people, uh, even the pundits on TV, have had some disputes about what is really going on. Does China China uh, devalued its currency a little bit, and um, has is is its economy looks to be struggling? But at the same time, our Fed, the Federal Reserve which has been printing a lot of money, keeping interest rates low to stimulate our economy for years now since the 2008 crash, keeps saying they're going to raise rates at some point really soon. And that kind of thing spooks the market. And for me, I mean, I, I used to be an investment banker. I'm a CFA. I have an economics background and a business degree and a law degree. I mean, I've got if anybody should be able to kind of get a hang of what's going on, I should be able to do it. Any, you know, kind of somebody's not really in doing this every day for a living, normal person with a 401k. But there is so much government intervention here that that, in my mind, is the real problem, especially as a libertarian. I I don't approve of economic intervention at all just on the basis of principle but it also has a very destabilizing effect and i'm going to tell you a few of the things that i see happening that i don't like and i think it's misrepresented in the media of what the cause and effects are here but one one thing there is all you'll get all this noise from the left on wealth inequality and the right really never gives an answer like it should be which is the government actually creates that problem way more than than any other factor and one of the things that it does is it 
uh, prints money. And when it prints money, the Fed prints money, it creates uh, uh, a rising asset prices. So there's just the same amount of stuff out there, the same amount of oil, and twice as much money. So the, the value of the oil doubles. So if you own the oil, that's awesome, because now you have double the value. But if you're just a wage earner and have no assets, Unless your wages have doubled, which they never do. It's called sticky wages, and it's the whole basis of the Keynesian economics. He knows they're sticky wages, and he suggested that inflation be promoted by the government to effectively reduce wages that people would never agree to actually have their wages reduced. But if you inflate the value of everything and... Uh, people own own stuff, they get the value of the higher prices and the wage earners have to pay twice as much, but their wages don't go up by double. So that's a that's one way that money printing makes wealth inequality worse. But there's another thing going on that I'm only beginning to really see for what I think it is, and that is what's happening when they pump up the asset prices. They pump up the asset prices... Uh, and so like the stock market goes crazy. Then the market crashes and a lot of people, especially what they call dumb money. I mean, I am dumb money, really. I have a 401k. I don't know what to do with it. I always lose money on it because it's not, I don't do it for a living. I have other things to do. I can't really figure it all out. So when the market crashes, my 401k takes a tumble and I get nervous, you know, it loses a lot of money and I'll sell it and then I'll sell it and it'll go back up. The stock market will go back up. I mean, that's what happens to me. I've never really made any money because I really, it's not a, I can't totally focus on it, but there was like a government push in the US and the UK to move to this 401k retirement plan. And it looked great at the time. It looked very libertarian, but the reality is it moved the savings kind of habit here from having a pension where your corporation would guarantee you a certain return in your retirement to you managing your own money, which it does seem good. I'm all for freedom. However, that was smart money. Pension funds used to make up like 40 or 50% of the stock market and they were responsible for their own returns and they'd have to pay you out whatever, no matter what. It was called like fixed benefits. And and then we didn't have the double whammy of like the wage problem where the asset values go up and your wages don't. And that is a problem with wealth equality. And then this other thing where your 401k takes a tumble because you're dumb money and your and your savings are negatively impacted. And and the idea of keeping interest rates low makes that worse, because what you want to do is buy bonds you want to buy debt so that it's you know get a high interest rate it's not so risky but when interest rates are near zero kind of forces everybody to get into the stock market and then you've got this problem because stocks are a little riskier and it makes it worse when when the stock market crashes you have you don't have the kind of security that you might have had in bonds back in the day now you can just say that is an unfortunate thing uh, to happen and that's just the way the cookie crumbles. But there is some evidence that that these boom-bust cycles are not just created by the Fed system, but they're actually, I mean, some, some say that they are really controlled by the money powers. I just bought a book that was written in 1994 called The Greatest Story Never Told. And it's about Winston Churchill being on the 
floor of the stock market in 1929 at the invitation of Bernard Baruch, which who was a kind of liaison between the banks and the government back then. And the story is that they that they had pumped up the prices of stock earlier over the years or a year or two before then. They knew what was coming. They began to sell, like they meaning the connected inside bankers. They began to sell and the prices started to go to go down and then there was kind of a dumping, you know, they kind of panicked the markets. And what happened was all the guys who weren't kind of in on it were in there in the caught with all the stock. They had a lot of that stock was bought on a margin. So like say you have 75% loan against the stock you bought. Well, if the stock price goes down below the value of the loan, you have to sell it. You can't not sell it. So that's called a margin call. So when these guys would see their stocks in free fall, they knew it would bounce back eventually because it was going below the value, the inherent value of these companies. But they had to sell to pay back this debt. And then the, and then the stocks bottomed out and these guys bought it and it really concentrated wealth. That's the way the story goes. And you can believe it or not believe it. But a couple of things happened recently over the in the last big downturn, 2008, that made me think, I don't know if there's like, you know, 40 guys in a room drinking champagne after this, like there supposedly was in 1929. But I read a funny article about Henry Paulson, the Treasury Secretary, uh, had like a press conference and told everybody, oh, Fannie Mae is going to be fine. That's the like government mortgage thing. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. And then the Fannie Mae like stock rallied, whatever. And uh, and then he went to this private meeting and it listed names of people, some of whom I had worked for, I'd like to say with, but it was for when I was an investment banker. So I recognized the names. And he had said in that private meeting that, oh, yeah, yeah, that's not true. We're going to nationalize Fannie Mae. We're going to take it over and the stock's going to go, the value of the equity is going to be like nothing. Uh, you know, just a heads up in case you own any of that. And that's and I and I had another friend uh, who had a lot of money and his he just had a uh, knew a guy who worked at Goldman and there was a big crash coming and the guy the Goldman guy called my friend and said hey sell everything today's the day and my friend sold everything <laughs> and he saved his money and I'm I'm thinking you know I don't know if everybody's in a room but there are definitely connections that give you the heads up on this stuff and it makes me really question our ability as like 401k holders to really um anticipate make real returns without an extraordinary amount of risk especially if some people are getting the heads up because it increases your risk relative to theirs so i get super uh, skeptical at these these big booms and bust cycles, especially as you see they're kind of rhythmic and systemic and you can see them coming. And it undermines my faith really in the financial markets. But uh, that isn't to say that there aren't like overarching good ideas of how to conquer that. And I think Clark Howard's one who will always tell you how to get ahead of uh, that kind of stuff to get your returns for your risk. And I have his executive producer, Christopher, Krista DiBiaz, is going to help me with my next segment, Ask the Libertarian. So if you have a question for the Libertarian, call in 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is the time to call. Or you can tweet your question at Monica Perez Show. And now for something completely different. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It is 
High of 81 today, high of 78 tomorrow, scattered thunderstorms. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate, the official air conditioning of summer. And I am about to launch the uh, final segment of the show at 530. It's going to be Ask the Libertarian. And I've got a lot of tweets and posts and emails teed up for that. Uh, I think I'm going to give you a little foretaste of that by taking a call 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Now is the time to call if you want to ask the Libertarian a question. So I'm going to Dominique in Duluth. Hi, Dominique. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for asking. Uh, my question for you is just, you know, what's your position on, um, I guess, the Lilly Ledbetter Act or Equal Pay for Women? I did hear you mention earlier in the day that I think you were the last of nine kids or something like that. Yes. And your mom, you know saying, you know, she didn't have much of an opportunity or didn't see much of an opportunity for yourself. So what would be, I guess, like a libertarian solution to, I guess, what you can see as misogyny or at least, you know, men in power who have always yeah. seen women and minorities to a certain extent as lesser in terms of, you know, their workers? Okay, thank you for the question. I think the the freer a society is, the less able People are to compete in the economy, discriminating against people who are able to produce as much and to pay them less. So I used to say I used to work at an investment bank and the the chicks were I, I used to get like the worst deals and everything. It really stunk. I was in Dallas. It was obviously discriminatory. And I used to say that the other Women and I should start a bank called Chick Bank. We work harder for less. And that if we if we could do that, we would put the regular bank out of business. The problem is that the banks in Dallas, like all the banks, had to have a charter. And how do you get a charter? You have a charter because you connect with the government to get permission. And who's going to do that? The guys were already connected. So when you increase freedom or like the internet, if you sell stuff over the internet and people are bigots and they don't want to buy from you because of uh, what gender you are, what color you are, they won't even know. So the more we have uh, technological advancements, economic freedom, the less likely it would be for companies to be able to be competitive if it won't hire the best qualified people at competitive wages. So the answer in my mind is... Liberty. So I've got lots more to come on uh, libertarian questions. Stump the libertarian if you can. 404 872 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6, so, except for when there's football, in which case just go to my website and or my Facebook page, Twitter, at Monica Perez Show, and we'll get something going there. Uh, but because I am the libertarian, and this is my last show at my regular time for a while, I thought I would do the very popular segment, Ask the Libertarian, or if you're in an ornery mood, you can call it Stump the Libertarian. You can call me in for a call. Me now, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, I have some, I've gotten lots of questions from Twitter, email, stuff like that. So, Krista DiBiaz, hi Krista, how are Hello, you? Hello, I'm great. It's so fun to be here with you. 
It's super awesome. It's a great segment. Thank you for coming. Um, I'm going to have you. You can read the questions to me, but we're also going to take some calls. So if you call, hang on. I'm going to give priority to the calls. But let's uh, let's just dig right in. All right. I'm starting out with a great name. Curmudgeon wants <laughs> to know, what can we as individuals do to stop or prepare for this overall move toward the American slash world oligarchy? I'll tell you, it sounds like a simple thing and that you think you do it already yourself. But I would say the number one thing you can do is think for yourself. Free your mind. Don't believe what you hear on the mainstream media if it comes from an anonymous source. If everybody uh, stopped down and just demanded evidence the power of the government, of the media, would go away. If you stopped going out of your way to vote for the lesser of two evils, vote for someone you know will be good. Ron Paul, your mom, the libertarian, whatever. Get Don't uh, fall for all the propaganda because in the end, if if the consent of the governed is lost, the power of people who do not have legitimate power is lost too. So I feel like you don't even have to get out of your house if you will just be critical of the kind of propaganda that is being piped into us at all times. And Roger asks, how would the justice system work in an anarcho-capitalist society without any traditional government? Well, that's a distinction that uh, it's important to make. Government is totally valid. The modern state is a different animal. It actually serves a different purpose from government. It serves the purpose of pretending to be your government, pretending to uh, protect your rights, but instead it takes away the value of your rights and bestows it as privileges to the government connected. In a real uh, uh, voluntary society, there would still be government. The law is self-evident. Don't touch me or my stuff. And you can look at societies, you can call them primitive societies, but there are elders and wise People, I'm just going to give you an example, but the liberty, freedom, competition among societies, one or another for uh, the better citizens would result in better systems. But you could have as simple as like case law and our in our our judges cite case law. Those are real cases that have been uh, adjudicated over time that nobody wrote those laws. It's really custom written down on a piece of paper and you would follow that. There would be things like uh and I went to a really primitive place in Peru where if somebody did something wrong and they weren't going to make amends for it, they were exiled from the group, which can be very costly. You have a lot of stuff there. Maybe you have some property. If you want to go join another group, they might check out your credentials, see if you are uh, if you buy into the system. So there are lots of ways to do it. There is a distinction, though, you got to remember. Government itself is legitimate. There are laws. As an anarcho-capitalist, I don't believe in chaos. I just don't think we should give up all of our rights to a coercive monopoly state. Uh, oh, I've got lots of calls. Let me take a couple of calls. I'm going to uh, go to Russ and Marietta. Hi, Russ. You're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. Uh, uh, the acid test here is, uh, are you familiar with the treaty called the Law of the Sea Treaty? And uh, if so, what are we going to have to do to get the uh, goal line defense up against that next time it uh, makes a push here? In the is US? that the thing that Kissinger wrote a big editorial in the Wall Street Journal last year? Is that yes. the thing? Yes? I believe so. Uh, I know there was an editorial finally somewhere about it. but uh, Yeah, uh, I, I think that 
the entire, uh, I was reading a great book by Al Fletcher Prouty about JFK, just talking about at a certain point in the age of exploration, the great powers saw that the earth was finite and they kind of set out to divide it up and, and own it all. And if you look around and then if you fast forward to Cecil Rhodes and like 1900, he said, we need to reinstitute the English empire kind of under the radar Uh, or whatever, make it spread to the whole entire world under the radar by spreading social democracy, spreading English, making sure that every place is the same. You, If you take over also have like government ownership of all the sea, there's no hope there. You could, I mean, there's libertarian arguments that the sea, pieces of the sea should be able to be privately owned and then you wouldn't have overfishing. I mean, I know that's a little tricky, but I love the idea of, seascaping of being able to just build an island community people are building islands where there was no land before i think china's doing it i know they do it in the middle east that could be uh, a place where libertarians could go and have their own law but if they take over every surface of the earth like the un really wants to do i think that could be uh, a problem i'm going to go to jaime in marietta hi jaime you're on with monica hey how you doing good how are you uh, listen, I, went, I was a little confused about the uh, view on gay rights and gay marriage concerning uh, the libertarian point of view. Absolutely. I believe that in, in gay rights and women's rights and everybody's rights, and they are all the same and clearly defined. When you start acting like people have different rights, somebody gets left out. So we need to all have our rights protected, and the best way to do that is to get government out of... Uh, manipulating things. So if they, if the government has to decide on marriage, then we all have to degree, agree and we have to tell people what to do. And that stems from the government regulating, say, adoptions. If the government regulates adoptions, then we, and they say, well, you can't discriminate against any kind of married couple. Well, then we all have to decide what married means. But if you just allowed the freedom of the adoptive parents, the birth parents, and the adopt- adoption agency to make arm's length transactions where everyone agrees, you wouldn't need to impose your definition of things on other people. If you let people make clubs where they can exclude or include whoever they want, it doesn't have to be like a federal law. Every single club has to be okay with every single kind of person. It's not pleasant. I like diversity myself. I I, I don't really feel like uh, I'm from a very insular community. I'm from New York. It's a melting pot and I'm happy with it. But that does, but if other people aren't and they have private organizations, they should be able to do what they want, but get government out of deciding on social or moral issues, or if you want it that way, may, don't let it happen at the federal level at all. I'm going to go to Steve in Fayetteville. Steve, you're on with Monica. Steve, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Do you hear me? Yes, you're on the air. What's your question? Okay, have you ever read the book, The Creature from Jekyll Island, written by Dr. Gray, concerning the forming of the uh, Federal Reserve in 1912? Griffith, not Gray. Yeah, um, yes, I have read that, and other ones, too, like Secrets of the Federal Reserve, all that, yes. It is something that every American needs to read and understand how we got into this mess, how we were uh, excise taxes funded the government before that, they set up the IRS to collect the interest to be paid back to the uh, Federal Reserve, and they limited us on a two-to-one payback to the Federal Reserve. 
there is a there is a really very strong libertarian movement to end the fed we have a debt-based currency which is absolutely insane the government has the right unfortunately to counterfeit money and not it doesn't just do that it gives that right to private banks who counterfeit the money and then lend it to the government so the fed is screwed up it it could be considered the root of all evil in the modern state i appreciate that yes and there are resources i think the secrets of the federal reserve by eustace mullins predates the creature from jekyll island and uh and is shorter and has has it all in there but anything's fine you should get educated on the fed or read the great ron paul and the Fed. I'm going to go to Crystal. Let's keep going on the uh, email one. Okay. Chris wants to know, how can you criticize corporations and at the same time, you don't believe in regulation? Without the government, corporate abuse and wealth inequality would truly get crazy. I disagree totally. I think that there would be a race to the bottom and total wealth equality if we, not total wealth equality, but it would be commensurate with your effort, with your decisions, with your abilities, that when that the concentration of wealth at the top is a function of corporate capture of government. So I thought of um, an example in the first web posts, blog posts I ever wrote, I thought of the example that if, if there becomes a national law that you have to put nutritional standards on your menus in a restaurant, all of a sudden there's going to be absolutely no private restaurateurs who can afford a lab who can afford to figure that stuff out um, i mean assuming that that's a super expensive thing you can think of other examples then what do you have you have an oligarchy you have only these huge chains who can afford to meet these regulatory burdens and that's what happens that government actually and it's really the modern state as distinguished from the government it's what it does with tax codes and everything else it goes out of its way to privilege uh, to give privileges to those corporations and individuals who can give back to it and that's and that uh, capture is what makes these mega companies and I think John D. Rockefeller he's certainly quoted as saying competition is a sin and he did everything he could through the progressive movement to tie up uh, competition not himself but the little guys trying to enter so I think that there would be an economic race to the bottom and there would be more wealth equality with less government and Nick wants to know in a stateless world without legislation limiting or outright prohibiting ownership of certain types of armaments could an individual legally own a nuclear weapon well you, you should back that question up because there is no way on earth nuclear weapons would have been invented if it weren't for belligerent modern states. There is no no way an individual would ever have a need for a nuclear weapon. You don't use it against um, encroachments on your border, which would be the only thing that a private individual would need uh, to defend against. It's so expensive that only totally disconnecting your um, disconnecting the cost of it from the value could ever produce a nuclear weapon. So you would never have started that Manhattan Project if somebody actually had to pay for it. And then if you look now, uh, we actually used nuclear weapons and we don't, the United States, the the government and didn't sign the nuclear non-proliferation treaty so there is a dangerous situation but it's related to the fact that there are states and not uh and not nukes but as a general rule i feel like 
the more uh, equality in armaments, the more peace. So if every single person, I mean, I know it's too scary to think if every single person had nukes, but there are nukes out there. It's scary enough as it is. But uh, the more weapons, I, I think the more peace. Sounds crazy. Um, so, Crystal, let's take a quick break, and then we should have time for one more question uh, in the next segment. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. It's going to get a little hotter as the work week begins. 85 is the forecast high for Monday. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate, the official air conditioning of summer. And we are wrapping up summer in my book because football is coming. And that means I'm a little bit preempted. Uh, I am the Libertarian on WSB, so I want to do a uh, wanted to wrap up this year with Ask the Libertarian. I have time for one more question, but I want to tell you about an event that um, the uh, for libertarians in the Atlanta area, the America's Future Foundation is holding an event this Tuesday, September 1st, from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Hudson Grill in Midtown. It is uh, the uh, Foundation for Economic Education, which is also in Atlanta. Carl Oberg is discussing the consequences of embargoes, intended and otherwise. So it's a real intellectual libertarian uh, discussion, and it's bound to be a good time. If you want to know more about it, go to my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. And Krista DiBiase, you are still with me. We have time for one more question, right? Uh, yes. Okay, so John wants to know if you agree with Ron Paul. Yes, the answer is yes, right? <laughs> <laughs> when he says that he will never vote for a tax increase for any reason as a matter of principle. You know, I that is one of the things that I don't strictly agree with Ron Paul and Murray Rothbard. They their kind of philosophy of life is always don't ever vote for or uh, or advocate for anything that reduces freedom. And Ron Paul rightly says that taxes are an encroachment on our freedom and he just won't won't do it. And I know Grover Norquist, who, by the way, is a member of the Council of Foreign Relations, has Republicans or used to have them sign a no new taxes thing. But here's my problem with it is when we have super low interest rates and these and uh, don't it, we increase spending, spend a lot of money, run deficits, run up the debt. To me, that is taxation without representation. That is uh Spending money and not paying for it and borrowing money for the next future generation of taxpayers to have to come back and pay that, which is totally immoral in my opinion. I actually don't think there should ever be government debt. I think maybe the American Revolution is an exception, maybe, but generally now that we're an established country, we should have a war chest in case we need to defend ourselves. But short, there really should be no reason for debt. And what happens is it disconnects us from the policies, the cost of the policies that are being enacted in uh, in in Washington, because we never have to pay for it. We keep voting for these same people, and they're doing things that are bankrupting us, and and we're just disconnected from it. But so, Krista, you uh, am I am I right to say that you're libertarian leaning at least? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and have you? Do you agree with me that like? Basically, the greatest thing that's happened in our lifetimes is that are you not surprised? Are you not surprised to see the Ron Paul revolution really light this liberty movement up? 
No, and you've actually, I've learned so much from you, you know, through our friendship over the years and through your show. And uh, I love that your son was born on Ron Paul's birthday, by the way. I oh, think that's the greatest thing. <laughs> my first son. I know they're like two of my favorite people. And I mean, it's just August 20th. It's a magical moment. One so, more thing really quick. I just want to squeeze yeah. this in if we can for Norman, because he wants to know what book you recommended the last time you did Ask a Libertarian. Oh, yes, that's right. It's my favorite, favorite book. Uh, it's or of this this genre. It's called Our Enemy, the State by Al, Albert J. Nock. I have a summary of it on my website, monicaparayshow.com, and it's only 88 pages, and I linked to the PDF, so you could read it. But I would tell you, every single chapter could be a book in itself, and he goes into the fact that the modern state is really just an engine of privilege as opposed to real legitimate government, which would actually protect your rights. So thank you so much, Krista, for your help today. Thank you for having me. And I will be back maybe in the bye week or fill in for other people. So stay plugged into my Facebook page, Twitter, at Monica Perez Show, or my website. I'll post this podcast on Monday. And uh, thanks so much. And I'll talk to you soon on WSB. This is Monica Perez. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.